Before I get into the uh, word of God today, I, I, I want to share two things um, that are important for us as we go forward. Um, one is about sickness and COVID and all this craziness that is going on. We, we this week have probably, uh, I think it's pretty close to half of our volunteer and leadership team out today due to sickness, whether it's COVID or other sickness or whatnot. And uh, I, I was texting with one of our leaders this week and I said, this is great. We'll just get all over it really quick and then we'll all be strong and good to go, right? It'll be fantastic. Um, but I'm so grateful for all of our leadership and volunteers in the church that are today at half size, but making it all happen either way, right? And uh, we are grateful for them. Anybody thankful for all the volunteers that just dedicate and give time and do all that they do? Um, but I know, obviously, with so many that, that kind of all got sick at the same time, I, I don't know if there was like some big party at somebody's house and they all got together. No, that didn't happen. But um, uh, with that happening, there's been a lot of people talking and conversing about, you know, COVID and sickness and all these things and, and hearing about how cases have dramatically risen with this new strain called Omicron. And I think this week there was one day where there were somewhere close to 35,000 positive tests in one day, which is the highest we've ever had. And so everybody's really worried and concerned and all these types of things. And so I, I wanted to real quick just give some kind of pastoral direction to us as a church um, I, I, I want you to know that I actually spend a lot of time, a lot of time studying COVID, probably actually more time than I should. Oh my gosh. We okay? All right. Yeah. No, you don't need to apologize at all. We want to make sure that he's okay. All right. We're good. We're good, everybody. We are good. Yeah. We'll make sure you get out safe. All is good. Wonderful. Round of applause. We made it happen. All is good. All is good. Yeah. Very good. And, um, so uh, a lot of people have been concerned in these days and, and worried about what's going on. And so I, I wanted to give you just what I believe to be uh, so, some good direction. I, I, I study a lot what's going on with COVID. And part of the reason I do that is because I want to make sure that as a pastor, I'm able to help and lead and give uh, truth and, and all of those types of things. So um, first of all, well, one of the good things that is actually going on is that while Omicron is spreading faster and is extremely contagious um, and is breaking through all the boundaries that, 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 that people have and, and think we'll be able to stop it, the good news is, is that it's more contagious, but it is a weaker strain, which means that it is not affecting people as bad as other ones. And how many could say amen to that? That is great, great news. And um, unfortunately, a lot of the media only com communicates one half, which is it's more contagious. They don't communicate the other half, which is it's far less deadly and has led to um, much less worse results compared to other ones. Um, but one thing that I've realized is this. 
Humanity, and this includes all of us, we like to be able to control stuff, right? Anybody with me on that? You like to have control of everything that is going on. And one of the things that I've realized we cannot control is sickness. That is one of those things. And, and our, our governments and, and everybody has done as much as we can to try to stop the virus. But, but let me just be honest with you right now and say that is not going to happen. The virus is not going to stop. Now, this is not a negative take from me. No, no, but, but it is reality. It's important to understand this. Just like we can't stop the seasons from happening and we can't stop the tides from coming in and going out, we don't control the rising or the lowering of the sun at the beginning and the end of the day, and we don't control what happens with the virus. Now, what we can do is when it's cold in the winter, we can put in on a coat. And when it's warm in the summer, we can put on air conditioning. And there's things we can implement as it exists, you know, vaccines and therapeutics and other things to help out. But, but let's understand that we cannot control something that simply cannot be controlled. And what this should do for us is actually lead to more humility. We are not God. And guess what? That is okay. That is okay. We don't have to be God. But how many believe that our God is the all-powerful God and is in control and has all the authority of what is going on? And he does. And so let's believe in him and trust in him. So with this, I, I want to share just um, a, a couple quick things, um, or maybe more than a couple. First is, um, look at somebody close to you and tell them this. Tell them, enjoy life. I'm serious. Enjoy life life. I have been blown away by the amount of people who because of fear, and I am saying it clearly, who because of fear have stopped themselves from enjoying life with their loved ones, from doing the normal things that they do. And let me just tell you right now that it is both biblical and practical to continue to enjoy Life. There is no problem with that. In fact, people have gone to such an extreme with regards to their worries over sickness and specifically over COVID that it came out in the news, I think two days ago or three days ago, that a woman in Texas, because her son had COVID, she locked him in the trunk of the car to take him to a test because she was worried that she might get infected. She was so worried about her own health that she mistreated her own child. What is my point here today? That somebody in here might do that? No, not at all. We love Jesus. We're not going to do that to our kids. Um, but, uh, but what is important to understand, while that's an extreme example, what a lot of people have done is they've given up on being with family and being with friends or going to certain places because they're worried about sickness. Let me tell you, do not stop living. God placed us on this earth to live life with our loved ones and to enjoy it together, and that does not need to stop by any means whatsoever. Don't let fear remove you from enjoying life. In fact, it is already scientifically proven for years and years and years that fear, what it actually does is cause for certain hormones in your body to deplete your immune system, which makes you more likely and more susceptible to get sick simply due to being afraid. People that enjoy their lives have better health outcomes 
So enjoy life. Get some joy. Have a good time. And in fact, just, to, just so you know, as they have done the studies of everything, the, the places where COVID is least likely to spread is, well, here's one place, the church. Did you know that? A lot of people think that COVID spreads like, oh, it's a big group of people. No, in fact, that's not true. In church, it spreads very little. You know, another place where it spreads very little is actually in schools where our kids go. A lot of people think it spreads like crazy there. No, actually all the statistics show that it spreads very less in school than it spreads other places. Where does it spread a lot? It's important to understand this. The primary place it spreads is with your family at home. That's a primary place. And at workplaces as well, where people are working very closely together. So at those types of places is where it spreads. And guess what? That's normal. Viruses do that. They spread in places where we hang out with people for multiple hours of time, a lot of face-to-face -face contact, talking closely with people. But you know what? I wouldn't tell you to stop enjoying life with your family because you might get sick. Continue to love your family, your loved ones, your close ones. Continue to live life. You will be okay. I want to tell you that. You will be okay. Secondly to this is something that is really important, understand risk factors. Understand risk factors. Unfortunately, a lot of the coverage related to COVID does not delineate for us who is more at risk compared to others. And let me be clear, knowing who's more at risk is not something to isolate certain people. No, it's simply to understand how best to get treatment or do what needs to do be done based off of risk factors. So just so you know, the risk factors are primarily this, people that are over 65 years of age, people that have chronic health conditions, chronic heart conditions, lung conditions, diabetes, things like that, as well as those people that tend to have a lot more weight on their body. I have some I need to get rid of. Anybody with me in 2022 that, you know, like, let's see it. Um, and, and those are the risk conditions. Now, l let me be clear on this. Let me be clear. All that needs to tell you is simply take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. Get healthy, exercise, take care of your body. That is what you need to do. And if you get sick and you have higher risk factors, then make sure you immediately talk to your doctor and get um, whatever medications, vitamins, those types of things that you need in order to hit it right at the beginning so that way it doesn't get worse. That is the practical thing to do. And it's important to understand that even with Omicron, another point of truth that a lot of people don't know is that it doesn't matter if you're vaccinated or unvaccinated in terms of getting sick with it. Anybody can get sick with it. There's a lot of people that have been single, double, triple vaxxed, and then they get you know, COVID and they go, wait a minute, I, I thought I wouldn't get it. No, the truth is you can get it. Now, the good news is if you have high risk factors and you're vaccinated, it will help you from experiencing um, large or high or heavy symptoms, which is a great thing. But still, talk to your doctor, get the help you need, and do what needs to be done. So have a focus on being healthy. Would that be a good thing for us this year? I think it'd be a good thing for anybody, regardless of whether there was Omicron or anything else. Um, it's good to be healthy. Another thing I wanted to share is, um, and the last thing, and this is extremely biblical. If someone you know gets sick, care for them. That is biblical. 
Matthew chapter 25, Jesus says a parable called the sheep and the goats. And he compares two groups of people and he says, when I was in prison, you came and visited me, talking about the sheep and to the goats. He says, when I was in prison, you didn't visit me. When I was sick, you visited me. When I was sick. Notice that in it, if you read it, go back and read it later if you want. Jesus didn't say, when I was sick, you visited me, except for when I had COVID, then you didn't visit me. You know, like, that, that, that does not exist in scripture. Now, do we take care of ourselves? Absolutely. But let me be clear that what our society has done, in my mind, is evil. We have shunned and shoved aside those who are sick and said, no, 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 you just, you're on your own. And the reality is that is not biblical. There's no way that you can align that response in any way with Scripture. It just can't be done. And so this week we, we had a lot of people that are sick. I'm coming out of it. I'm no longer sick. Just, you know, the normal after effects like the voice that isn't back 100% and things like that. But, but I'm feeling fine. Um, we have a lot of people that were sick. My parents, Pastor Jim and Alice, they got sick this week. My dad is coming out of it. My mom is kind of sort of in the middle of it. Um, and, and they'll be out of it soon and they're okay. But their sickness, I didn't go, oh no, oh no, what, what do I do? You know what I did? I did something that one of my brothers did. I did on another day, which is I went to their house. I brought them some food, made sure that they had what they needed. My mom needed things from the store. I was going to send my dad. I said, dad, you're not going. I'm going to the store. Let me go buy those things for you and bring them back to you. That's what we do when people are sick. That that is the biblical Christian response. Now, was I going inside the house and hanging out face to face by one foot, having two hour conversations? No, I wasn't doing that. Um, we, we maintained some distance and all of that type of stuff, but we were close. We talked for a little while outdoors and, and it was fantastic. So make sure that you care for those people that are sick. Don't allow what the society says, what Anybody says, well, you need to stay away from people that no, let's love people who are going through difficult times and dif difficult health situations. That is the way we should live. So I, I wanted to share that with everybody from kind of my, my pastoral perspective, why I be believe the word of God would lead us to do as people during this season and any season where sickness shows up, all right? Secondly, starting tomorrow, we are going to do a 21-day fast as a church. We are starting it tomorrow, and uh, the reason why we're starting it tomorrow is because, you know, I was sick for like a full week, and I still wanted one more day to eat really good before the fast starts. So today after church, go out, have an amazing meal, and then start the fast. I'm, I'm really kidding. No, we're starting it tomorrow, and, and then it'll end on Sunday in three weeks where we'll come and end it together as a church. Um, so it begins tomorrow, and with this 21-day fast, we are fasting together as a church. There is also a challenge during these 21 days to read the entire New Testament. So everybody should have received when you came in a sheet that gives uh, an order of all the 21 days that includes chapters in the Bible you can read as well as prayer points for every single day. And I wanna invite you to fast with us, to pray, all of us together, at different places, but we're praying in unity as one church. 
um, around the same things during these 21 days. There is a website there that you can um, you know, type into your phone or computer at home with different types of fasts that you can do. And so I'd encourage you to just take a look and, and choose what works best for you. And so we will all be fasting together. Who is believing God that as we fast together and pray together as a church, God's going to set us up for great things this year. Amen. So let's do that. And uh, I'm going to get into the message for today. And uh, it won't be a very, very long message, but there's some important things I want to share with you today, giving you our focus for this year. Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. John wrote the book of Revelation. He received a very big vision, hence why it's called Revelation, from God. And in this In this vision, in this revelation that he receives, there's a lot of different things, and I'm just going to focus on, on one little part here, starting in verse 11, that says this, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called, what is the rider called? It says, faithful and true. With justice, he judges and wages war righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, it says. And on his head are many crowns. Everybody say many crowns. All authority belongs to God. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. Verse 13. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood. And what is his name here? His name is the word of God. Continues on, says this, verse 14. We'll get there, there it is. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of another name we have for God right here. God, what? Almighty. I'm going to stop right here just real quick just so you see something. When you read it down here, it says, coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword, a little uh, clue into the book of Revelation. It's not that Jesus is going to show up and you're going to see some physical sword coming out of his mouth like that looks really weird. Um, no, a sword is obviously, and in scripture, a reference to the word of God. And so when Jesus comes, he will be speaking and declaring. And, and watch this, this is so important, because it says he will strike down the nations. Everybody say strike down. Now, when you think about strike down the nations, you're thinking he's going to just destroy everything. But then right after that, it says he will rule them. Well, if he strikes them down and destroys them, how will he rule them if they don't exist anymore? Now, what has really happened is he's striking down the authorities, the powers of the nations, the demonic influences, and those authorities that have been against God, striking them down. And he is coming to reign and rule and be in charge of everything. Amen. That is our God. In fact, Scripture says in the book of Philippians chapter 2 that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every knee, every tongue, Jesus is coming to reign and to rule. 
Verse 16 says this. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written. Let's read it together. King of kings and Lord of lords. So Jesus has all of these names right here. And if you read all of scripture, there's obviously more names than these. But, but, but how many believe that Jesus is faithful? Amen. And scripture uses that as a name for Jesus. He is not faithful just as a description. No, literally his name is faithful. Just like my name is Jeff, his name is faithful. He is not just true. Literally his name is true. He is the true one. He is true that shows up to this earth that comes here. And so he is faithful. He is true, not as a description, but as a name. He is God Almighty, the all-powerful God. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. All authority is his. He reigns and rules. And all authority that exists on this earth has been given by God. Therefore, that makes him the king of kings because every king on earth only has their authority because a greater king has given it to them. Every Lord on earth has authority because the greater Lord has given them that authority. So he is the king of kings and Lord of lords. This is our God. How many know he is powerful and wonderful and incredible and amazing? And all of this is true. Yet if we read it again, and, and this, this passage really struck me a few weeks ago. And as I was reading through it, I was finishing my, my devotionals for the year, and I was coming to the end of it. And I read the word every day, and I don't, I don't read the word so I can get preachings for the church. I read the word because God wants to change me first. He wants to do what he wants to do in, in my life, and uh, he wants to do the same with you. But there's moments where God shows me something as I'm in the word that I know that it's for more than just me. And as I read this passage, I understood that the Lord was wanting to speak something greater to all of us. And uh, I started to get a sense of something. And a little while later, probably about a week and a half ago, I, I, I saw my dad and I said, Hey, dad, I, I, I'm thinking that in this year, 2022, that God is, is leading us in, in this direction. And, and he didn't tell me yes and he didn't tell me no. What he told me was a story of a miracle that God had did. I literally just told him, I think 2022 is supposed to be about this. And he says, you know what? The other day I was talking to somebody and he tells me this story of a miracle that God had done. And it was an immediate affirmation that I knew, that I knew that the Lord was up to something. Verse 12, right here, again, starts by saying, his eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. But I want everybody with me to say the second sentence right here. What does it say? He has a name written on him, let's read it together, that no one knows but he himself. I, I want you to ponder this for just a moment. You see, John receives this incredible revelation, all 21 chapters of it. Now, I have received visions from God before. There are people here that have received visions from God. 
He does. He gives dreams. He gives visions. He gives prophetic words. But let me tell you, if I were to share with you all the visions that God had given, has given me, they'd probably fit in less than a chapter. Because there is no vision like the vision that John received in this book of Revelation. There's not a single human being that will receive a vision that rises to the level of what John received here. And can you imagine for a moment how amazing it must have been for John to see all that he saw, to experience all that he experienced? Is anybody with me on that? Would that not have been amazing? Yet he comes to this part right here where he sees Jesus on a white horse and he says he is faithful, he is true, he is the word of God, the God Almighty, King of kings and Lord of lords. Yet we get to verse 12 and he states that there is a name written on Jesus. So it's a language, it's some type of heavenly divine language and he says that there is this name written on Jesus that nobody can what? Understand. There's all these names I do understand. But there's this other name that, man, I, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't know what it means. And immediately it struck me, the goodness and the greatness of God to understand that God is so far beyond our wildest imagination. You can come up with a list of a thousand names of God, yet even a thousand would not touch the totality of who God is. You can come up with a million descriptions for him, and not even those million descriptions will come close to the fullness of the greatness of God. When I was a kid, I didn't want to go to heaven. Some of you are like, are you crazy? And I didn't. You're like, you wanted to go to hell? No, I didn't want that either. But heaven wasn't particularly appealing to me. Because from everything I had seen on TV, not that TV teaches good theology, but everything I had seen on TV was that it was like angels playing harps on clouds. And I was like, that is not really what I want to do for eternity. Because I've heard you live forever in heaven. I don't know that I want to be stuck on a cloud playing a heart. Like, wouldn't your fingers start hurting after a while? The other thing was, growing up in church, I, you know, as we do here and we'll do until the day we go home with Jesus, we, we always sing, right? We, we worship God in the services. But see, I, I had this problem because after about 20 minutes of singing, my mouth would start to hurt. And I'm like, I don't want to sing anymore. Like the muscles, like they were hurting. And all I ever heard was that when we go to heaven, we're going to worship God. I'm like, but I, I'm going to get tired after a while. Like my mouth over, like, Okay, God, like, I'm cool. Like, I go to heaven and, like, I worship you for 20 minutes. But can I, like, stop after that and maybe do something else? And so I, I didn't want to go to heaven and just sing forever. Although I love singing. But I figured, you know, maybe I could, like, talk. You know, that, that could be good. Until I realized, you know, later on that heaven is so much more than just singing and playing on harps and, you know, did you know, this isn't a preaching on heaven today, but did you know, we will all work in heaven. Yeah, 
I'll, I'll preach on it and teach on it someday, but not the work like the earthly work that, you know, you get frustrated and mad about and all that type of stuff, but, but good work that will bless you, that will be encouraging, that will be productive and, and have good results to it. There's a lot of things we'll do on, in heaven that actually look like what we do on earth, but when we do it in heaven, it will be perfect and wonderful and filled with the goodness and the grace of God and the love of God very different than the way it functions here on earth at times. Heaven is going to be wonderful and beautiful. But what I also know about heaven is that because God himself is eternal, so not just that he exists for all eternity into the future, but he has always existed for all eternity from the past, at least according to our sense of time. That means that there is no limit to God. How many believe that with me? There's no limit to God. Which means that when I go home with Jesus, when you go home with Jesus, we will experience new things from God on a constant basis and will never stop experiencing new things from God. We will live all eternity long experiencing things about God that we could have never dreamed of. Can you imagine that? No, you can't. You can't even imagine that. Because it was, it's so far beyond our imagination. And so if I were to put a number to it, there is no number to eternity. But if I were to use a number as an example, we will live for billions of years experiencing new things from God without end. The, the way I guess I would think of it is I like trying new food. Anybody with me? I like trying new food. And when I experience something new, I'm like, this is amazing. And I love it and I enjoy it. And if you could give me an eternity of experiencing new foods all the time, I'd be like, that is pretty incredible. And God is so much more than the food, obviously, but he will always have these new things for us to experience in him. Can anybody say amen to that? Now watch this. If God will have new things for us to experience for all eternity long, for billions and billions of years, then wouldn't it also be true that for the 100 small years that we live on this planet, that God also has new things for us to experience here? And that if he has enough for us to experience for all eternity with him, then he has more than enough new things for us to experience on this short drop of time that we are living on this planet. And if that is the reality, then might it be the case that God is not done with you yet? Might it be the case that this year God wants to reveal himself to you in a way that you have never experienced him before? Might it be the case that there are parts and aspects and dimensions to who God is that he wants you to experience in this year, 2022, that you have not yet experienced with him? God is so much more than our imagination. And for this reason... This year, 2022, we are calling it the year of wonder. Everybody say that with me. Could you say it with me? The year of wonder. A year where we will wonder and marvel at the goodness of God, where he will show up in our lives in new ways that we have not experienced before. A year where we will see God like we have never seen him before. Who believes with me that that will be the description of this year? 
If the God who can give a thousand different names of who he is, yet still has a name that no human can understand, that same God has dimensions to who he is that you and I have yet to experience. And I believe he wants to take us to a place this year where we will experience who he is in new and fresh and incredible ways. Is anybody with me on that? And it will be a year of wonder, but also a year of wonders where God will show up in wonderful ways in our lives. How many have experienced miracles from God in some moment of your life? Anybody? Yeah? God is a God of miracles. And let me tell you, the wonderful God will do wonders as well. And so as we experience more and more of who he is, he is going to show up in more and more powerful ways in our lives. I've already seen it. In fact, the last few months of 20, no, I should say the whole year, but leading up to, right up until the end of the year, I saw God raising up things in a different way than I had ever seen before in all my 42 years of life. And I believe it was God's way of telling me, Jeff, just get ready. I'm already giving you a taste of some things right now. Just get ready for what's about to come. And I want to tell you that God is about to do some things that go beyond our imagination. So get ready. Tell somebody, get ready. Come on. Get ready. It's going to be good. Now, let me tell you, does that mean that this year of wonder, everything will be easy? No. Everything will be perfect. Not at all. In fact, it's a lot of times in the difficulties where God shows up in ways we have never imagined. So I'm not here to declare to you the way that the year is going to go. I am here to tell you, though, that God's going to show up in ways you have never imagined. Because he wants to. He wants to. And he's inviting us into it as well. And so let's believe in what God is going to do to come to the ending of this, I have a second preaching. Are you guys ready? I wasn't here last week, so come on. I, I got to make up. No, actually, I was, I was reading the word this week. And um, this could be a full preaching, but, but it won't be. Um, I read a couple of verses in the book of Genesis that really impacted me. And I sensed that the Lord wanted me to share this with you, that in this year of wonder, the question is, how do we get into it? How do you enter into what God has for us this year? And in Genesis, there's a story and it's a good story and an important story about the goodness of God. Well, no. Well, it is. It's, it's a longer story. It's found in chapters 12 and 13 and beyond, but, but right before it, in chapter 11, there's something interesting. How many remember Abram, who became Abraham? Anybody remember Abraham? Well, his original name was Abram, and God called him to go to the land of Canaan. And in the land of Canaan, he, um, he lives, establishes his life, and it's the place that becomes known as the promised land. And he has descendants. Those descendants grow, became known as the people of Israel. They go to Egypt. 
and then eventually after Egypt come back and they take the promised land. In fact, that's where we kind of ended right at the end of this last year in the book of Judges and we'll be jumping right back into it um, coming either next week or the week after. And so we'll, we'll jump into that. But, but it started with Abraham. Abraham going to the land of Canaan, the promised land. But what you might not have seen is this little known story that happens in two verses of chapter 11. And it has to do with Abram, Abraham, but formerly known as Abram, has to do with his father. And it says this, Terah, his father, took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran. Everybody say Haran. This name is important. And his daughter-in-law, Sarai, the wife of his son Abram. And together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to where? Where does it say? To go to what? Canaan. So Abram's dad, Terah, was on his way to Canaan. Abram's dad was on his way to the promised land. Oh, he didn't know it was going to be the promised land. But, but that was his destination. He was already going where God wanted him to be. It's really interesting. But then it says this in verse or in the second part, it says, but when they came to Haran, everybody say the name again, Haran, they settled there. And you go, wait, wait, wait a minute, did he just randomly show up to a city that had the same name as his son, Haran, Haran? No. No, no, see, you know, back then it wasn't like what we have now. We have North Hills and Van Nuys and Burbank and Glendale and names to cities. Back then, they didn't have names to every location. And so what happens is as people traveled, they would typically name the locations wherever they traveled. So Terah, the father of Abram, named the place where they stopped, and he named it Haran. Now, you have to ask the question. He had three sons, Abram, Haran, and one other. Why is it that he named that location Haran? Because that son died. So he named it after his dead son. I want you to catch, catch this with me. So Terah, the father of Abram, or Abraham, was on his way to Canaan, the promised land that God had for them. But due to the death of his son, he stopped short of getting to the promised land. And he actually stayed there and named that location the name of his son who had been lost. And it doesn't say that he just stopped there, but he settled there. Verse 32, it actually tells us very clearly, Terah lived 205 years, it says, and he what? Died in Haran. He died in the place where he stopped. He decided that he would not go to his destination due to the pain that he had experienced. And he missed out on the promised land. He never made it. He died in his loss. He died in his pain. And what I want to tell you today is that this year, 2022, is the year of wonder. But I want to actually get to December 31st and look back on the year and go, yeah, yeah, this, this most definitely was the year of wonder. Anybody want that to be your story as well? But let me tell you today, right now, that Torah could have gotten the promise, 
but he missed it because he decided to live in the loss. He decided to stay stuck in the pain. And it's so interesting because if you read the story after this, when God calls Abram, God tells Abram to leave. Everybody say it with me. Say leave. God tells him to leave but does not tell him where to go. Now I've preached that. I've preached it tons of times. But when I was preaching in the first service today, I finally understood why. Why God told Abram to leave but didn't tell him where to go. Because I, I, I think if God would have told him, you're going to leave your father. Okay, where am I going? Dunkin' Donuts? No, no, no. You're going to the land of Canaan. And I think that Abram would have gone, wait, wait, that's where my dad wanted to go. But, but my brother died. And we stayed here. I, I, no, no, no. I, I'm not going to take my dad's place. I'm not going to go where he was going to go. I think it'd be better if I just stay and support my dad right here. He might have never left if God would have told him where he was going. So God just told him, leave. And if you want to get into the promise that God has for you, you know what you got to do? You got to leave too. You got to leave. You got to leave the pains of the past, the worries even of the present. You got to leave those comfort zones. Abram was comfortable there, man. Everything was good. He had all that he needed. He had protection. And that was big in those days. But he had to leave. And there's only one way you get into the wonder of God is when you are willing to leave the place where you have been settled in. And let me tell you, where you have been settled is small. Oh yeah, out here is an unknown space. I get it. It's unsure. It's not as secure as where you are right now. But let me tell you, when you leave this place to go with God to where he wants to take you, it's unknown, absolutely, because every new thing of God always is unknown. You can't imagine it. Here we are going, God, I, I want to, you know, just do the new thing right where I'm in. God's like, no, 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 uh-uh, because I am so big, I can't fit in that little small place where you have stuck yourself. So you need to step out of that space where you have limited my influence and you step out into this unknown space the size of a universe, but know that when you step into that space, there is so much that I can do with you in that place. And so will you leave this year? Will you leave whatever that place is, whatever that space is, and trust God that as you step out in faith, he is going to reveal himself in ways that you have never dreamed or imagined. And it was when Abram stepped out that all of a sudden, after he left, not before, after he left, that God goes, all right, here's what I got. And he tells them, he gives them promises. Your descendants are going to be numerous you won't be able to count them. And then this land, the land of Canaan, it's going to be yours. Wow. And he receives the promises of God. But it was only after he stepped out. So this year is the year of wonder. God's going to do new things. But for you to step into it, you got to first step out. Step out of those places where you have settled down and accepted a world that you have been able to control 
and to step out of that and step into an unknown space where God will show up in ways you cannot imagine. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so grateful that you show up in new ways consistently in our lives. And we're so grateful that you are doing it this year, a year of wonder. And Lord, I believe it. I believe you are going to show up. I believe that you are going to do miraculous things. I believe that you are going to send us to new places. That you are going to deepen our walk with you. That you're going to reveal yourself in new ways to each and every one of us. And Jesus, we believe all of this to be true. And with all of this, Lord God, I pray. I pray, Lord Jesus, that for those people here who need to step out, who need to step out in faith, stepping out of their comfort zone, stepping out of those places of pain, stepping out of those, even those past victories, which are not the future victories that you have. Lord, as we step out, that we would step in to the new territory of your promises, of your goodness, of your love, of your grace. We thank you, Jesus, that you are doing this and that we get to be a part of it. In Jesus' wonderful name, everybody says, Amen. Let's give an applause to God. He is so good to us.